0: Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. Spirits are high in this episode as the freshly Oscar nominated director Thomas Vinterberg discusses his latest film, Another Round, with Paolo Sorrentino. In a wide ranging conversation, Paolo probes Thomas on the subjects of ageing, dancing, writing, camera work, and of course, drinking. We hope you enjoy this discussion between two masters of European cinema.
1: Hi to everybody, and hi, Thomas, and uh, thank you very much um, for inviting me. <clears throat> First of all, I am very sorry for my English. I, I, I hope you are patient with me because my English is, uh, is bad, but I will try to do my best. And um, very shortly, I would love to say, first of all, uh, something about uh, Thomas Winterberg, not like a filmmaker, but like a man. And uh, I feel uh, that's very important for me to say that he is a real uh, gentleman. And this is uh, something of unusual. Uh, when I met him um, in the 2013 or 2014, that we did the awards race for the Golden Globes and Oscar, um, he was uh, maybe the only colleague where I was uh, really in, um, had a good feeling and. I, I, he was really happy to see me happy when I won, and this is completely unusual. And so I believe that he is a great, great gentleman. I would love to say this. And um, about uh, another round, uh, I just can say that this movie for me is a, a really a masterpiece. It is a, a, an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, uh, movie. It's a great, great uh, example Of cinema. It's exactly, in my opinion, how a movie should do. Uh, One question that I would love uh, to do to Thomas, because uh, I am 50 years old, Uh, I think that you are 50 years old uh, as well. Uh, I found, and this was very moving for me, that this was also a movie about uh, the difficulty that uh, the people in the middle age have to keep. um, to keep clear and uh, uh, to keep clear the ambition, ab- ambitions that we had when we were young. Um, my feeling uh, was that this is a movie about uh, how difficult it is for uh, um, men and women, for people of our age, uh, to to keep constantly this ambition uh, clear, uh, exciting. And so I ask you if, uh, is this also your feeling about uh, this movie? Of course, the movie is also about other many, many things.
2: Well, first, I have to thank you for all these kind words, Paolo. I, I remember meeting you and your ensemble of, of Italians in 13. And I thought, I, I want to party with these people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be around these people. You all had a very humble and excited approach to all this, which I enjoyed, and I enjoyed your film <clears throat> so much, and uh, I, I still do when I I still did when I rewatched it uh, today, actually. Um, and uh, it's a great honor to, for me to sit here with you, Paul. Really, thank you. And maybe you have probably you have a deeper understanding of my movie than I have. You know how it is. It's, it's an exploration, right? Uh, and you figure out what the movie is about while making it and while talking to people. Uh, but yes, of course, turning 50 and losing curiosity and losing the element of risk and being caught up with the sense of repetitiousness uh, and feeling death coming closer uh, and all these things as, as I've sensed in the 65th birthday in the La Grande Bellezza as well um, are themes that have been on my, my, in my head while doing this. Uh, and I surrounded my main character Mads Mikkelsen with youth. The youngsters who in the beginning are like sharks they smell his insecurity and they want to kill him they want to fire him and at the end he becomes part of them and he becomes weightless so this mirror between youth weightlessness and age uh, and being a man who only exists but doesn't really live uh, are, are definitely themes that we th- we're trying to, to deal with in this movie. A- and we, you know, we use the alcohol to create the element of risk, to put these men on thin ice, and also to create an ele- element of love and togetherness. Um, I like to ask people how how many married couples they know who met each other sober. I don't know how it is in Italy and in your life, Paolo, but but I believe it's not that many. And uh, so <clears throat> it's, it's also about being lonely and finding each other again. Um, yeah, some, those are th- some of the themes in, in the movie.
1: I, I was very happy about, uh, I, I have to say that uh, as many people, as audience, Sometimes the end of the movies are disappointed, no? Uh, usually, uh, it, it happens to me. I think that happened to many, many people. You see a good movie and the end is always disappointing because during the movie you build your, your end of the movie and sometimes your end is not the end of the, of the filmmaker. In this case, I have to say that your end is exactly, uh, is better than I was uh, hoping to, to see, because uh, I, I, I say what, what the movie uh, tell to me. The movie tell to me that at the end, the happiness, the real moment, the, the, the perfect moment of happiness is uh, when you can dance. This is uh, my, <laughs> my idea. Um, about, about the 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 end of your movie, I, I was so happy to see that the movie finishes with uh, with Mats that uh, decides uh, to dance, and of course he 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 dances because he has uh, drunk a little bit. But uh, probably in my mind he he's uh, ready to dance also if he was sober in that moment of his life, and so in that moment of the movie. So the stupid question that I would love to to do is: uh, Do you agree that the happiness could be uh, the moment uh, in which a, a person decides to be free, and uh, uh, in order to be free, he decides to dance? This
2: of course, is, yeah, because it's the ultimate. Um, loss of vanity and control and the ultimate physical freedom. Uh, And I also think happiness is very closely related to forgetting yourself. Uh, When you have your eyes on something, you might be happy. Yeah. When you have your eyes on yourself, uh, you will look for... You will look forever (laughs) and only find wrong things. Um, And in the moment of dancing, if you dance freely, uh, it can be a moment of self-forgetness and a moment of complete togetherness with others. And it's a moment where you uh, become weightless and become part of the music. Uh, And for me, it takes alcohol to get to that point. Of dancing. Well, no, I dance with my children, actually, quite often. Uh, but you're right that in Matz's case, <clears throat> he has lost everything. And in that situation, uh, you're closer to the a, 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 a possibility of a catharsis. But, it, you know, Paolo, it took, it took some convincing to get Matz to do this uh and even my co-writer Tobias Lindholm because they both you know they're both reality rules <laughs> they're they're like dude this is a school teacher how can he dance uh <laughs> and I said well you can dance he, he's a school teacher that went to jazz ballet classes well it's a bit of a stretch so <clears throat> speaking about an end how important an end is is my my clever uh co-writer said to me well if you want that ending we have to begin already in the elbow to make the hand work we have to start setting it up from the beginning we have to build this expectation this need in the audience to see him dance at, at the end uh and so we did they asked him all throughout the film when are you going to dance for us And everyone else dances <laughs> But
1: he doesn't. And I invite you because I always thought, uh, since many, many years, I always thought that it was a good idea to do a movie about that precise moment uh, when you drink, when you are not drunk, but when you are a little drunk, you are a tipsy, probably is the word in English I read before starting this meeting. Uh, There is that precise moment that lasts, uh, I don't know, 20, one hour, 20 minutes, one hour, that you are a little drunk and uh, you believe that everything is possible. Uh, when I drink and I drink all the evenings, there is a precise moment in in which I believe, uh, okay, everything is the, the happiness is possible. Uh, the friends uh, are the best friends that I have. Uh, my girlfriend, my wife, is exactly the, the 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 perfect woman I want. It's something that lasts uh, 20, 30 minutes, and I always thought that it was the perfect movie. And I was very happy to see your movie because it's exactly what uh, I, I think every night when I drink a couple of glasses of uh, of uh, wine. And I thought it was impossible to do a movie about that. And um, it, I think, I thought that it was also impossible to do a scene, uh, just one scene about that uh, uh, content. So I was completely overwhelmed when I when I understood uh, in the morning when I saw the movie that you did. a uh, an entire movie about uh, that precise moment in the life uh, of a person. So, do do you have also the same feeling that there is a moment when you drink not too much, but uh, uh, not, uh, not not uh, poco, not so, not so not so little, not so little that uh, everything is possible in your life, that you have the perfect life, and that, that the life could be perfect. I I, 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 I would do. Ask, um, If you have the same feeling. Like me,
2: so I am
1: less alone, if you say yes. Of course course I have that.
2: And I sometimes wish that those 20 minutes could be extended to just at least a day or an hour. And I guess that's what they're trying. The the theory that they embark on is exactly trying to find that place where you're not drunk, but you're not sober. Yeah. And where you lose your uh, self-control and you become creative. And, and as you say, problems become, disappear or become small and everyone becomes beautiful <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: and, and you see love ar- ar- around you. And, um, yeah, And I think some people have lived in a constant pursuit of those 20 minutes. With ups and downs, because I don't think you can keep it for a whole day, but you know, and you can have a sleep for midday and then get back. I wonder if Churchill was, was one of these people. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think that also uh, the criminals are that kind of people. The criminals uh, live uh, um, uh, believing that the problems are not so important. That uh, And it's, it's exactly what I feel uh, when I drink in that measure, that uh, I believe, no, but the problems, uh, the problems I have, that in the morning they appear to me something of unbelievable, in that precise moment the problems uh, appear something uh, not so important. And many criminal minds, uh, I believe, uh, live in this uh, feeling. Uh, otherwise, they would not be able to do what they do, No, to experience to, to right.
2: the law. But, yeah. Paolo, can we, uh, when you write your scripts, you drink when you write?
1: No, never, never, never.
2: No. I so not. You come to a certain, you come to a certain zone without drinking. I, my question is, can you come to what you feel in those 20 minutes? Can you build that sensation uh, without drinking yeah yes uh,
1: wh- wh- when I write uh, i am used to uh, hear to listen um, music from the radio uh, dance music very stupid music it's a, k- a kind of music so stupid that uh, um, put me in a situation very similar to the wine where I forget where I, where I am i forget uh, um, yes it's it's like I am not sober but I am not drunk so I wh- when I write, uh, I listen a kind of music uh, that brings me in the same situation in uh, when in, in when in the evening uh, I drink because I wait always seven p.m. before drinking. Uh, this is, is, it, my...
2: is it the kind of music you have at the opening of a uh, kind of palazzo, like <laughs> yeah, something like that? Absolutely, yeah. something like
1: that. <laughs> yeah, something that's not too impegnativa, position, too
2: not too clever. important <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's good. And, and with a song. But um, those 20 minutes, I, I believe that uh, very, very important things in world history has happened. Decision have, have decisions have been made by people who have been in exactly that zone that, that you talk about. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I don't know. Because I wasn't there with them, but I, together with Tobias, we spoke a lot about the decision that Churchill made when he sent hundreds of thousands of civilians into war. Um, did he have his champagne at that time? And uh, <laughs> was his, um, if he did not have his champagne, what what would have happened? And and you know, I, I think it has changed history in, in certain instances yeah Uh because in those 20 minutes there's a very uh, short distance from your heart to your hand yeah yeah you just make a decision like that exactly right uh it's um it's almost uh, like a reflex and very often a, a very precise decision yeah i remember i talked to uh, you know the swedish director ingmar bergman yes of right. course he said to me, never decide, well, he said, always decide your next movie before your opening, before the premiere of the film. Uh, uh, and I never,
1: said, never decide. It's, it's,
2: it's always. I Always, always decide. Always, always decide before the opening. OK. And I said, why? Well, he said, at the opening, two things can happen. You fail and you get paralyzed. I start thinking, what kind of director am I and what should I do next? Even worse, you can have a success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you become strategic and want more. And you start playing cards and you start calling people in Los Angeles and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, or they start calling you. And, and, he's, and I said, well, but if I make the decision before, I will be very busy. I'll be in the middle of mix or And he said, exactly. Yeah, It'll be a snappy decision, and they'll be very short from the heart to the hand, and uh, it has a little bit of the same thing.
1: Wise advice, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, because I am in the mix. So now, after this meeting, I decide what movie to do next. <laughs>
2: but yeah. You've already decided, haven't you?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. No, no I, I was waiting the opening of the movie, but now that you said me that Ingmar Bergman said exactly. Don't I will follow your uh, your advice and uh, the Ingmar Bergman's
2: advice. <laughs> you know, the conversation you can have with yourself for months mm-hmm. about what kind of director am I, what kind of movie does the world want, I guess it's a waste of time, right?
1: I, think, I, I agree, I agree. Also because the world is not interested in which kind of director I am. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the world has other problems, other priorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This brings to me to ask you something that for me is very important to ask you because uh, sometimes, as, as many other directors, I suppose I have doubts uh, uh, about a movie to do. So I would love to ask you, uh, where, where, um, what's the precise moment in your head when you say to, your, to yourself, I will do this movie instead of another movie that probably you had, in, you had in your mind. You know, when you decide this is the movie that I will do, which well, I think that brings you to, to become uh, uh, operative.
2: Well, Paolo, to be honest, I'm weak in decisions. Okay. Uh, I, I think decisions are not something you take, decisions are something that comes to you. Okay. <laughs> <When> you're ready. <laughs> so I know everyone cannot wait and I have to follow the advice of Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> so I, uh, I hire people and I tell them about the idea so that there's no return. Okay. And then, you know, because then there's a project going. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then many times through making the project, I become in doubt. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you ever become in doubt, but I, I, I come in doubt often. And I was in doubt about another round too. Because I, it, was, it was such a wild story to write. It, it was not as I normally write a script. It wanted to go that direction and that direction and that direction and that direction. And when I tried to tame it and curate it and discipline it, it was a castration. Okay. So all the disciplines I normally use when I write uh, didn't work, uh, it, had to, this, it was like the script had to be drunk somehow, um, and that made me very fearful sometimes. Okay, okay.
1: I have another question uh, before uh, giving uh, the word to all the people are uh, are following us. Um, uh, as, uh, as a filmmaker and also as audience, uh, I have to say that uh, some m- many times when I see the movies, I don't understand the choice of the hand camera, uh, the, the style of the hand camera in the movies. But in your movie, I thought that it was uh, the only possible choice, the hand camera, because... Uh, uh, this is my idea. I don't know if, uh, if I am wrong or if I am right. The, the camera is drunk exactly like uh, uh, the characters uh, of the
2: movie. You right. Know? Is it correct? Or it's is correct. It's, the, every, the whole movie is handheld. And um, the main reason is because I had a, a cinematographer who was very, very good at this. He's very sensible, so he can really dance with, with the actors. And of course, when you, when you bring something to the screen like this, uh, it's very important to look for something real and bare and raw. Um, uh, so the element of authenticism was important too. But what you're saying was, is on target in the sense that we, we wanted the camera to show how awkward, sober life is (laughs) to begin with it's like a dance with two people who knocks the head together you know Uh, that was how we wanted the camera to be and also the sound when someone was about to say something important uh, the coffee machine starts that's sober life (laughs) and then when they start drinking everything becomes smooth yeah. And it's, uh, we, we, we like to think about an airplane, a big heavy airplane taking off woof, into the sunset. So the colors came and the, the Uh And that would, that required a handheld camera. Okay. Okay. Uh, and- but, Paolo, I was always nervous about uh, <laughs> all the equipment, you know. <laughs> I, you use them amazingly, but uh, already at film school um, before Dogma back in the 90s, many years ago, yeah. I, there was this uh, I wanted to do the handheld film because I did not have time for the dolly and the tracks.
1: <laughs>
2: and I was interested in the actors, but it was not really legal. No one said, you cannot do a handheld movie. We do, it has never been done. And so I found a, a, a guy who could do Tai Chi. <laughs> uh, and I thought he can hold the camera very still and no one will notice. And uh, <laughs> But um, Lars von Trier noticed and then we started uh, Dogma. Uh, so I have a long history with handheld. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I remember. And... Uh, uh, no, I I I I have a question. Can I go? Uh, uh, someone asked uh, Ursula asks you: uh, Have you read Graham Greene's *Our Man in Havana* on that moment between
2: sober and drunk? I have not, but I will. Uh, I have read a lot of. Uh, I have all these Hemingway books here. Uh, I've read a lot of Hemingway uh, when I've been writing, reading about drinking. Uh, I think he's an expert in describing what to drink. He used a full page to describe one drink. And uh, I was very um, uh, inspired by that for the movie. I wanted to have a scene where they tell everything they put inside the drink. I even think we could have used more time. Because being very specific about what people eat or drink uh, on film, uh, I guess, makes it alive somehow. But I will now read *Men uh, Man in Havana. I haven't read it yet.
1: Okay. <laughs> and another question from Anke Luedeke. Sorry for my pronunciation. Uh, to what extent did Tomas want to paint a picture of a male friendship? And how did his co-writer and the cast shape the portrayal of middle-aged men's relationships with each other?
2: Well, this film is all about male friendship. Uh, And it's about four men who miss the male friendship. I think they have lost it. Mm -hmm. Because they've lost interest in the world. And... um, and they find each other through this experiment. Um, Paolo, I grew up in a, uh, in, a, in a commune, you know, hippie, a house full of hippies. Uh, I was a little boy and uh, there was a lot of uh, genitals and a- academics and alcohol. Uh, and it was great. I loved it. And those people, they did something that was not done before. They moved into a big big expensive house because they could afford it. They mixed up the family relations and they did what their parents told them not to do and they felt really good about it. And it created a sense of solidarity. Okay. And uh, this film is about the same thing. It's about four men doing something which is not really which is dangerous. It's an experiment. No. They jump off a cliff together. But they hold hand while they do it. And that creates the ultimate sense of solidarity. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, it becomes a very strong friendship. It has it, it goes from a friendship that has died into a very, very strong friendship. And they sort of reawaken through that. So yes, it, it is about... Uh, Friendship, and in this case, there are four men, so it's about male friendship, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, one of the thoughts that I had at the end of the movie, maybe also because I developed this thought after seeing the scene when Sebastian has the test, the exam about Kierkegaard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember the the right words that that he mentions about Kierkegaard, but uh, I had the feeling at the end of that scene and about the movie that uh, uh, the movie is also saying that if uh, all of us are uh, uh, ready to accept the failure and uh, to tolerate the failure of the other people and of ourselves, everything could go better. And uh, at the end the fact that Martin and Annika um, come back together, maybe is also because they are ready to accept uh, the fact that they uh, they did a failure uh, before Sorry. joining uh, again. Is it uh, something can be correct?
2: It's a huge, huge thing. I claim that we live in a world where it's very, very difficult to accept failure. Uh, it's, it, we live in a world that is very, uh, uh, controlled and measured. You live in your own artistic pocket power, so you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But if you're a young student, mm-hmm. you have to map out your plans for your future very early. If you're a journalist, you will be told how many clicks you have per article you sell. So, uh, When you walk around in the streets, your steps are being counted and your performance is constantly measured. Uh, Social media, you have to appear on social media and you have to appear great. Uh, Sometimes you appear great with showing your pittiness, but you have to appear great. It's a story you have to tell about yourself constantly. Now, here's, here's a film about losing the control of that. It's about the uncontrollable. My wife, she's uh, more clever than I am. She tells me what the uncontrollable is. Uh, When I ask her, what what is this? She says, well, it's like falling in love. You fall, but you meet something big. Something you cannot buy on the internet. Something you cannot prepare at school. But you find it by accident. Mm -hmm. A lot of life is by accident. And it includes failure. Um, and uh, being, uh, get, uh, Paulo, getting an idea is something you get. It's not something you ask for or uh, yeah. or you prepare. You get it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So this film for me and Tobias Lindholm is a love to to the uncontrollable. Yeah. Great. End of story.
1: <laughs> I have another question from Chris Chang. Did you plan, did you plan and discuss with Mats in how you wanted it to look whenever he was drinking in the scene? It always looked so
2: cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we worked on how to play drunk. Uh, we uh, spent a full week of rehearsals only about playing drunk because I thought the film would be absolutely pathetic if it was not convincing drunk Uh, so it was a combination of a lot of hard work and some great fun and they had alcohol and we filmed it so we filmed Matts Mikkelsen teaching uh, sober and then on 0.1 and then 1.2 and blah 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 and he did not feel there was a difference until he saw the material, <laughs> and he could see a great difference. And so we studied how to play drunk, um, and it was always very difficult with the eyes. Uh, the, uh, the eyes give away the actor, because the eyes shows that they're in control while they pl- try to be out of control. And uh, and as you know, Paulo, it's a uh, to begin with. It's about hiding, you know, up until 0.8. It's about pretending you're not drunk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. when, when, when you play that you're in love, you pretend that you're, you don't care. Yeah. You hide what it's about. Okay. We, we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, after 1.0, when you start falling around, it becomes really difficult. So yes, we discussed that a lot. Uh, I discussed this for hours, actually for a whole week with, with Matt Middleton.
1: So the, the actors never drank on the, uh, during the, the shooting, never? <laughs> uh,
2: I, not what I know of. I don't know what happened in the t- trailers, probably, but the, the idea was that they had to act uh, and not be drunk because they had to work for 12 hours, uh, they may have to drive a car or be in with some children right after uh, so they had to control it. and you know I challenged them they had to be very tender cry they had to be fun they had to be drunk they had to dance uh, I um, I kept them uh, busy
1: so um, Paolo,
2: would, would you have served alcohol? would you? would, would you have served alcohol?
1: No, 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 no. I, I, I would be scared to give alcohol to the actors. No, <laughs> no I don't think so. No, no. Uh, but but uh, when I saw your movie, I, I thought that it was so unbelievable, realistic uh, how they were drunk. Also, the fact that you mentioned before that when you pretend to be sober but you are drunk. So I thought maybe they really drank uh, during the
2: scenes. I had this, uh, this thought. They took vodka. Uh, like this, I saw that sometimes, <laughs> That the smell. And uh, if they did a quick of like that, I don't know, but uh, I, I, I don't think so.
1: There is another question, one. I, this one. Um, you mentioned uh, some of the books you have read. Uh, did the film continue to change from those influences as you progressed or were you clear on the, the direction from the beginning?
2: I was never clear of the direction of this movie. Uh, and I still, I'm still not. <laughs> it, it was an un, untamable beast. Uh, it was, uh, as I said earlier in our conversation, the script had to be drunk. So you have a script where in one scene, they go to the supermarket and it's really silly and they have to get a codfish in the harbour. silly comedy and then you have another scene where he's in a physical fight with his family and it's very tragic Um, and it's in the same movie but I felt by mixing these things it became honest it became naive which I like for a movie Mm. Uh, when I cannot see the intention of the filmmaker I'm happy so, of course, we had a direction. Tobias Lindholm is a great, great writer, and he's very precise, and he gave me, and we decided a pattern to frame the chaos, of course, uh, because you need that, so, so it's not complete chaos. And, and we worked on this uh, for a long time. I started in thirteen, I think.
1: Where, where, where did this idea come from? Is it your idea or idea of your co-writer? Because uh, I think that the idea is, uh, is, is wonderful. The idea of well,
2: to begin with, Paolo, we just looked at world history and thought of how many great things had been done by people who are drunk. Ah. And we wanted to make a celebration of alcohol. Okay. But we had no story. And then uh, we realized if we make a celebration of alcohol, we also have to remember how many people who dies and how many families that are destroyed and people who are handicapped by this, which we also found fascinating. But actually, I also found an obligation morally, which I normally tend to steer away from. But in this case, I felt an obligation. Uh, I know people who died from this. And uh, and then when we met the theory of, you know, the experiment, when that came to us, thing, the ball started rolling. And uh, it was something that happened between Tobias Lindholm and myself, the, the writer and myself.
1: Okay. And, um, what what I, I, I have to ask, some Ah, well... Uh, well um... How can I say? Are you surprised by the success of the movie in this moment, uh, where uh, how can I say the politically correct is something very uh, present, very invasive in our lives? Were you uh, were you worried about uh, the the content of your movie? Yes, of course, your movie is not uh, pro. Uh, alcoholism, but uh, it's, it's, it's a brave movie about, uh, uh, about many, many contents, many, many topics. Um,
2: yes, I was nervous about this because, of course, the world right now is having a lot of very uh, intense moral debates. Yeah, And the climate is almost uh, aggressive sometimes. Yeah. And then, on top of that, the pandemic came, uh, which is also like structure and confinement and, and all of these things. So I was nervous that this film would land completely irrelevant. Uh, but the opposite seemed to happen. In the, there seemed to be a need to, to see a movie with people sharing a bottle, <laughs> which which almost felt illegal uh the 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 four men who insists on living and living inspiredly uh, is a is something that people understand right now apparently and miss uh but yes i was nervous about it of course and uh, do and, and yes i was surprised by the enormous love that the film received from, from everyone
1: and uh thinking to the next movie this is a question that I am doing to you, but also to myself. <laughs> are you? Are you? Um, when you consider a new movie, when you think to a new movie, are you afraid of the the problem of the politically correct, or are you able to be uh, free in your thinking, like uh, uh, as you are doing a movie in the seventies? Uh, I don't know if uh, it was clear.
0: Because
1: I. How are you?
2: How do you feel about this, Paolo? I'm very interested to hear that. Uh,
1: I, I am not free in my mind. I think something, and uh, soon after I wonder: uh, Is it this uh, a right thing? And uh, but um, I am uh, uh, hungry with myself because I don't want think in this way. But I surprise myself to think in this way. Why? Right. So I was looking for um, uh, how can I say solidarity. <laughs>
2: Well, I, I feel exactly the same. I'm nervous about this whole thing because I have never thought that inspiration could come from a political agenda. Mm-hmm. It can come from curiosity. Again, it's like falling in love. It's something that happens that keeps you awake, yeah. that you have to come back to, that makes you curious. Yeah. And that does not come from what has been agreed by society. Yeah. It comes from somewhere else, and it has to come from somewhere else, or it's not art anymore. Then it's a consensus. But I have that debate constantly uh, as well, of course, because it's a—that's uh, how the world is right now. Th- there is this constant debate. Yeah. Uh, so it does make me nervous. Yes.
1: Okay. Good. So well, well, as soon as I have this problem, I will call you uh, as soon as. Possible.
2: <laughs> I would love to talk to you again.
0: This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, Soundcloud, Spotify or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.